Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, I will ask you all to stand and let us again affirm the promise that lies at the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all sin that binds us. May in this service be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, covetousness, ignorance, destruction, all kinds of demonic dependencies, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, Lord, on the place of your rest. You and the ark of your might and may your saints be clothed in your salvation give us more from your spirit fill us with your holy spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance we thank you that this service is presented in your divine arms and we ask you to continue to lead it with your uplifted and mighty hand almighty god father son holy spirit amen you may be seated the place of scripture that i'm going to read the book of Ephesians of Apostle Paul, chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. In this world, there is a kind of phrase or an expression. Nature doesn't like emptiness. And, you know, in relation to our inner nature, this is very just. We must fill ourselves with something. And if we don't fill ourselves with the Word of God, then we will fill ourselves with something else. That's why Scripture tells us that having wait for Him be undefiled, pure. And one of the main things for this to happen so that we are not defiled, so that we do not become Fleshly, we need to be like the virtuous wife that is written in Proverbs. She girds the loins of her mind with power and she strengthens her arms. And we know that this is referring to the loins of the mind, which we are called to gird. We are called to hold our mind girded with the truth. And she feels that what she's doing is good and her lamp does not dim. Regarding feelings, it is written, we must have those that are in Christ. We are talking about how we are called to have emotions, feelings, but it is not us that are called to be led by them, but we are called to lead them. They per follow us. I have a well-known friend who sometimes works with me, and I we call each other, and I said, tomorrow at 7, 7 a.m. sharp for you to be ready. Well, he begins to say, if it is pleasing to God, if we live until tomorrow, then, then, then okay. And you know, I come in the morning, 
5 till 7, it's dark and this person is sleeping. I feel guilty. I, we talked about 7 in the 5 minutes prior. I feel bad knocking on his knocking on his his window of his car. This person said, interesting, the Lord turned off my alarm clock. It is interesting, his expressions. I said, well, we agreed at 7. He said, well, I have no reason as to why I couldn't make it at 7, because this person is led by his feelings, and he is led by his emotions. He felt that he needed to sleep, so he turned off his alarm clock and fell asleep. And believers also sometimes say, I feel that pastor doesn't understand me. That's why I'm going to do not what he says, but I'm going to do what I feel or what I feel is right. And you know, a person begins to be led by his feelings. Then he thinks that God is leading him this way, and then he feels like this is right. And he is constantly straying away from the truth of the Word of God. In Scripture, remember, with different chariots and different horses, but we will boast of the name of the Lord. To boast is to to swear by His name, to rely on something, to trust in something. People both saying, I feel like this is right. I feel like this would be better for me. But... Scripture says, but we boast of the name of the Lord. We boast in the fact that we are being immersed in the Word of God. We boast that we study Scripture. We study what the names of the Lord mean. The Lord is my stronghold. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress, my rock of Israel, my shield, my rock, horn of my salvation. And you remember what the result will be. We rejoice, or we praise the Lord, the name of the Lord Jesus. They fell, but we stand and we go forth. I think it's wonderful that we are all in this place, and we all can be immersed in this word that God has given to our pastor. The Holy Spirit placed it in the heart. He expressed it in certain words. It is taken from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness of truth. Three verbs that we continually focus our attention on. This is to set aside, to renew, and to clothe. We are concentrating our attention to uh, the verb to be clothed and looking at the clothing of ourselves into the new man. We had seen this verb to be clothed in seven components. This is taken from Holy Scripture. A person who is clothed in a linen clean and bright is a person that is clothed in the garments of salvation. He is clothed in the robe of righteousness. He is crowned with the crown of the bridegroom. He is adorned with adornments. He is clothed in wedding garments. He is clothed in a linen pure and bright. And he represents the representative power of Yahweh of hosts. As it is written about this in the book of Isaiah, chapter 61, verses 10 through 11, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. 
My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its bud, and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. We have noted that in this prophecy, these virtues are grown by God in the heart of a person. Why grown by God? when we say that we are called to grow because God has sown, God is the initiator. God has given us the seed and we have cooperated. We have heard about this important verb to cooperate. We didn't produce. We didn't create. We collaborated or cooperated with God's word. So praise be unto him and honor and in this is his dignity to him be our praise because he is worthy we praise him and hallow him because he has given us the seed and without the seed we cannot grow but we have collaborated with it just as the good land produces forth its bud and as the garden causes the things that are sown in it to spring forth joy in because it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. Joy in the Lord is one of the characteristics that yields the kingdom of heaven in the heart of the person. And it is the result of the harvest. This certain joy, again, is in us. It is the result of harvest, which in its turn is the result of the seed of the kingdom of heaven planted in the heart. A person sees how this kingdom begins to grow within him, and he begins to rejoice. And this joy begins to expand. The root of this joy go deep, deep in the unknown depths of the human spirit. He, to the, to the very end, doesn't even realize or understand why his joy begins to fill him. But somewhere from within, it comes. there comes the song of victory, and a person begins to sing and rejoice before the Lord, because they see the Word of God as living. In a certain form, we have already studied the essence in the garments of salvation. Now we're studying the garments of righteousness or the robes of righteousness. And that price that we need to pay for the right to be clothed in the garments of righteousness. Seven conditions will be reminded of the four of them and we'll turn to the fifth one the first price for the right to be clothed in garments of righteousness is comprised of fulfilling the conditions that give us the opportunity to be filled with the fear of the lord the second price for the right to be clothed in the garments of righteousness is comprised of the fulfillment of which is called to turn upon us the favor of god we remember that these are two levels of the favor of god the third price for the right to be clothed in the garments of righteousness or for the opportunity to grow fruits of grow fruits of righteousness in which we are called to be clothed is the price for the ability to judge of all that comes from the spirit of god and ourselves to not depend on any judgment of a carnal person the fourth price for the right to be clothed in the garments of righteousness is the price for the ability and the right to know the mind of the lord in order to judge god's intentions And we have already looked at these four conditions, cooperating with which will allow God to clothe us in the garments of righteousness, and therefore we will turn to the fifth price or condition. The fifth price for the right to be clothed in the garments of righteousness is comprised of this. Again, we're talking about the price. The price that we are called to pay, having cooperated with God's seed, with God's word, which He has sown within us. 
And this fifth condition is comprised of pondering and looking upon those truths that will allow us to be renewed in knowledge according to the image of the one who has created us. That's why I started the way I did today, that our nature is called to be filled. We must look upon, we are called to fill ourselves, to fill ourselves with the word of God. And then there will be a certain result that proceeds. Place of Scripture, Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. But now you yourselves are to put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. So, all of these, all of these attributes are erased when a person looks upon the Lord. And through this, he begins to be renewed. And in this renewal, there are not any anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth where there is you have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him whether there is where there is neither Greek nor Jew circumcised nor uncircumcised in order to be renewed in the image and knowledge according to the image of the one who created us it is necessary to have knowledge about how God himself is renewed or to look at that factor as how God is renewed. And for this goal, it is necessary to remember two things. We need to have knowledge of the truths that unveil the principles of the essence of God and how God is uh, renewed. And second, to have knowledge about who can call upon God and how God can be called upon. Because knowledge of every truth occurs through instruction and faith in which we call God. Otherwise, how can we look upon that property in the nature of our Heavenly Father, which we have never heard about, and which we ourselves cannot comprehend or fathom? The order of sequence in which our faith in the dimension of every truth is called to submit to the faith of God is expressed in the preached word of every truth, and it is highlighted well in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 17 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation for scripture says whoever believes on him will not be put to shame for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Jesus Christ had warned and said, Will I come and find faith here on earth? 
This means, am I going to find in my followers those that, that can call themselves the children of God? Then that word which I will send to my messenger will come to them. This is what it means. Will I find faith on earth? Will I find messenger? Will I find those who submit to messengers? Because there's a lot of words. There's a lot of preachers. There's a lot of those who speak and those who proclaim, and so-called readers. But right now we are going to look deeper into the order that exists in the essence of God, and. In this order, we have six principles, the violation and ignoring of which will turn us to the category of challengers of God. The order of these principles begins not at the building, but its its foundation. The first one, uh, there's a foundation, there's walls, there is a certain covering, and then there is a roof. And here, this building is drawn up from the roof. The first principle is comprised of the obedience of our faith to the faith of God that is engraved in our heart. In this principle, we call upon God in that we proclaim the faith of our heart. The second principle is comprised of the fact that the proclamation of our faith is called to happen on the foundation of renewal that is defined by the lack of these these things belonging to our nation, the bonds of blood, religious confessions, social status, and the lack of a male or female gender. The third principle is comprised of the fact that in proclaiming our faith, we are called to call upon God, which means to prepare our heart to hearing and to immediately fulfill what we have heard. The fourth principle is comprised of the fact that we are called to call upon that God in whom we have believed, which means that God whom we have accepted in the seat of the preached word of truth. I am glad that I am speaking not my word, and this gives me great pleasure. I am grateful that I am reading those words that our pastor has written, the messenger of God, whom God has empowered to do so. And in this, in this is a certain rest, certain rest in my heart. This is not from me. This comes not from me. And you know, we had at our last cell group I have a helper who organizes uh, whose house cell group will be at. And I empowered him to help and I was someone called me and I was in a and I someone called me and then I appointed in a different place. Now it turns out we need to do cell group and it turns out that we got mixed up. There was a cancellation in, in both homes because that home wasn't available in the other home. And so what do we do? And the situation was resolved. We, coming into this house, we say, we bless you with all of our hearts and we know that to prepare your home when there are children, this is not as simple for a large family to accept the cell group in their home. And that's why I understand. I also have cell group in my home. 
and I vacuum until the very end. And this is not all uh, very. This is not all simple. We bless you with all our heart from the name of the Lord. And you know why? This is not ours, which we do. We fulfill the service that God has empowered to our pastor. And in doing so, we partake in his ministry. and He has a reward. And this doesn't depend on us that we have, for example, wanted to have cell group services and now give us a home or prepare it. Oh, thank you. Oh, please allow us in or please, I'm sorry. No, we say, you have desired and you have given to drink. I have found myself in a situation where I knocked on your home and you took me in. May this home be blessed from the name of the Lord because we carry not our ministry. This comes from the Lord and we simply collaborate with it. Same thing here. The sixth principle is comprised the fact that we are called to listen to that person whom God has sent and not the one who himself has sent himself or whom we have selected for him to flatter our ears. Thus, Again, we are studying about how God is renewed and we ourselves are taught that we are renewed in this way as well. He has great power and according to his might, he does this. Now, how do we gain this source so that we also do not diminish this power, but to strengthen it, for it to expand, cultivate so that we can stand before God in Zion? Today, in this order, we will focus our attention on the principle of renewal that is defined by the lack in our essence of certain foreign inclusions. There are certain foreign inclusions that stand in the way of us being renewed. And again, let's take a look. We have already listed these. This is the lack of national uh, belonging to our nation. Our nationality, when we see it, when we look at it, when we, uh, when we do so, it's going to get in the way of us being renewed. There's also a lack of dependence on the roots, uh, the roots of our blood, our religious confessions. There's the lack of social status. As soon as we say, well, in our confession or denomination, this was done differently. This is done differently in our confession. There's no renewal that we can talk about here because it dies there. Again, it's a lack of a class or social status. It gets in the way of our renewal. God has created the rich and the poor. This is His creation. That's why in God, this is God is renewed and if we understand this, one of the most intriguing manifestations in the service of our pastor for me is when you can never look at him and see who is elite. You won't know who the elite is just looking at him. As a person comes, he might seem not elite. He invites him. He goes to a restaurant with him. This is how I see. I'm just sharing with you what I see. And another person with elite clothes, you might think that we need to give him more attention, but full, uh, full ignoring. And on the contrary, and try to figure out who is elite, who is not. But there is no elite. 
There is an elite, but it's completely different. God has his elite, but it's a, di a different kind. And again, we must also lack dependence on a male or female gender. Sometimes we can say, Pastor, who think of them men who think of themselves as kings that my saying my wife must listen to me I am the head everyone must listen to me you see that um, pastor mentions this and sometimes even uh, the wife is sometimes she can hear things in her address from the pulpit And we are called to imitate, imitate God's character, seeing this in God's anointment. Otherwise, our worship will not meet the requirements of the order established by God, as written John 4, 23-24, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. Here we see the elite people. When it is said, in spirit and truth, in this phrase, then in this phrase is contained every truth before the truth of renewal, in which we are called to call upon God in our worship. And so the first question, what criteria and characteristics does Scripture endow the principle of renewal in which God dwells? As well as, what does Scripture view under the term renewal from the state of which we are called to call upon God? Second, what purpose is the truth of renewal called to fulfill in our relations with God? Third, what conditions are necessary to, to fulfill to collaborate our renewal with the renewal of God? And fourth, by what signs should we test ourselves that we are renewed in the knowledge of truth according to the image of the one who has created us? Having answered these four questions, we will receive the opportunity to be renewed in the knowledge of truth according to the image of the one who has created us. So we gird the loins of our mind with the truth we learn how do we become renewed and sometimes sometimes maybe this is only among me but if you have paid attention before it seems that you might have stalled in your spiritual maturity and on some kind of step you do not you do not grow okay this means that here right now there is going to be help that comes from God if we are able to answer these four questions the path or the stumbling block is going to be removed. At one point, I thought I had grown, I had reached the ceiling and I couldn't grow any taller. I couldn't be higher or taller and this was for a long time. But I had surpassed and went past the ceiling. God had baptized me in the Holy Spirit and I began to endure the process of progress to progress in faith. And of course, what also could happen is when we surround the hill of a mountain and we walk around it, walk around it, but there are multitudes of promises. They're given to us in this place in each service. These horizons are 
expanded and revealed to us, and we are called to walk with God and to move and to see these horizons and not just surround one mountain for months, days, years, weeks, and so forth. And the place of Scripture tells us the harvest has come, the summer is over, but the promises are not taken. Something happened and something has stalled. Why? Because these four principles were not studied carefully, and that's why it's very good when we can have this renewal. The first question, with what criteria and characteristics does Scripture endow the principle of renewal in which God dwells, as well as what does Scripture view under the term renewal, the state of, the state of which we are called to call upon God in worship? We should note that the dignity of renewal in the property of God and the dignity of renewal in the property of man has a root difference because the property of renewal and the dignity of God is the standard, is a standard which we must compare ourselves to. And the dignity of renewal that flows in God Himself is His unchanging and dwelling property that defines His might, the might of His of his life-causing life, whereas the dignity of renewal that is called to flow in man was not his property, this was the property of God. The power and property of divine renewal is comprised of the fact that God, according to his great might and mercy, nothing diminishes because it is restored by the power of his renewal. We are looking at God right now. Scripture tells us, uh, lift up your eyes to the heights of the heavens and take a look at who has created them. He calls them all by name. All flesh shall know that I am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Job. According to this, another place of Scripture, and there is a lot like it, the power of the life of God is His unceasing and continually renewing life potential, containing in itself His constructive power, His might, and His strength. Through His immeasurable opportunities, His capability expressed in His omnipresence and omnipotence, this is his innumerable riches. Considering that all of these definitions are constantly renewed and expanded, and that this always was, this is unchanging today as well, and it will always be. And therefore, the property of renewal that is contained in the life potential of God is the opportunity of God to create all things new and to never repeat or to never create a copy. And then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Take a look here at how many wonders Jesus had done, and just in general, how many actions of God, and how he revealed himself to men. There is no action that is the same, and his names are different, and with different names he was revealed. And different angels had come. And they began their conversations differently with people. God is God never repeats himself. God is unchanging in his word. And in his renewal, he constantly expands himself and produces some kind of original. 
The phrase, Behold, I make all things new, is the eternally dwelling that highlights the essence of the renewal of God as the eternal creator in his creation which will have no end. For example, twins are not copies of one another. They are two originals that have been made in one egg cell and from one one sperm, which despite its identicalness will differ in their functions and their calling and their life. We'll take a look. We'll look at how similar there are as like two drops of water. But the difference is so deep and great. These are two completely different galaxies. Their distance from one another so diff- are different. One, for example, chooses God, another chooses devil, Cain and Abel, for example. One chose to walk according to his own ways, and he began to strengthen in his own righteousness, and he began to be the father of those whom Scripture calls that they are going the ways of Cain. There are multitudes of these people. They call themselves Christians. They are affirmed in their works and walk the ways of Cain. He he became a father of this multitude of people on earth. And Abel had selected love for God for which he was killed. Today's Abel is the Lord from heaven and his heritage. He won't be able to be killed because he who tries to kill Abel was a carnal person. Jesus Christ has given birth to spiritual. And who tries to kill them, they are meant to be killed. The property of renewal that is contained in the life potential of God is the opportunity of God to be multiplied and expanded in His descendants in one womb, which is the bride of the Lamb, and out of one seed, which is Jesus Christ. How differing this is. Each one has its own, each person has its own calling. Each has its own individuality. Individuality is not uh, is not ruined by God. He knocks on the door of everyone in a completely different way. And He does not break in and He does not go against the will of a person. Today we were driving to church with, with my spouse and we talked about the Millennial Kingdom, about the power that is going to be present the government that will be present, such a strong government. And at the end of the thousand-year reign, there's going to be many who will be unhappy because it turns out when Satan comes out, when the chains will be removed from him, I remember Pastor had explained this, there are people who walk broad paths. Well, a thousand-year reign, everything must be in control, right? A fly can't even fly by just because, unnoticeable. But here, he comes out on the broad paths of the earth, and they have all united in such a way that they had surrounded the flock of the Beloved and the city of the Beloved. There must be a strength that gets fortified in these people do not become spiritual having been found in the thousand-year reign. But we're not talking about this right now. 
Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in a condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men. Expanding ourselves in our descendants from our blood or from our seed is the principle of renewal which God has laid in the person, so that a person could be the image of his eternal being. Acts 17, 26-28 And He has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for Him and find Him though He is not far from each one of us for in Him we live and move and have our being and also, as also some of your own poets have said for we are also His offspring the property of renewal that is contained in the life potential of God and in the essence of God is His eternal state which on one hand dwells in Him and yields His uh, figure and on the other hand the property of His renewal expresses itself in the fruits of His life through the word that comes from His lips in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It first was in God, and all that came to be. There is no There is no, sometimes a, a person by nature, there is sinful nature, when he is based on the old man, he says, well, I want to do things my own way. This expression, well, I don't understand things this way. It is comes from Satan when people say, I have my own opinion regarding this, but for God's children, they have no personal opinion. Everything is found in the Word. Everything from Him came to be, and it is the source of all life and the source of all truth. The Word is truth, the Word of God. There is another Word. We are not talking about this right now. We're not talking about this other word. We're talking about the truth of the Word of God, the property of renewal that is contained in the life potential of God and in the essence of God is His ability to enter into the order of death and to call out from death those whom He has known before the creation of the world. He seeks for the one who will have a humble and contrite spirit. We don't die, we are living, breathing, existing, right? The promises die within us that are given by God. And the property of God is to enter this order of death and to re resurrect these in us. Remember how Jacob had done. For the promises in Joseph were in Joseph, his son, and his son had died. And when he had seen that Joseph was alive and he is calling all of us to Egypt, it's written that the spirit of Jacob was alive. He understood that the promise had not died. The promise carries life in it. And it, for a time period, was hidden. And God has done this in such a way. And take a look. We are reading. The property a renewal that is contained in the life potential of God and in the essence of God is His ability to penetrate into the order of death and to bring out of death those whom He has known before the creation of the earth. Remember, one sister having died and 
at her deathbed, Pastor asked her, what would you like more than anything right now? She, leaving, had whispered to him, I want the rapture. She is dying. Her body is, begins to decay. And in this moment, her promise does not die. Of course, God is going to resurrect this promise for this person. And this person is going to endure the power of life and the power of renewal. And therefore, for a person to be renewed in the knowledge of God according to the image of the one who has created him, a person must look upon who God is for him, what God has done for him, and how he has done this. To consider himself dead to sin, to call the inexistent as existent, and to see this in this manner. It is not there, however, I see it, it is there. I call it and I consider it as existent. We say, well, people tell us, well, look, it's not working. It doesn't exist. It does. It, it works in God and it will be fulfilled at the appropriate time. Take a look at how much pastor has preached in almost at every service. Sometimes I, I do receive these thoughts. Some certain promises, I think, well, still are not yet working. Well, what's going on, I think? And then I say, well, it, it, it does work. I just don't see it. God couldn't lie. God, Our God is not a liar. And we know this firmly because He has spoken it. It will be fulfilled. And when it is fulfilled, this is going to be the great glory. Perhaps I will die. Perhaps I won't see this with my eyes. But God is going to raise me up from the dead. And in the kingdom of heaven, this promise is going to be fulfilled in such a way as to give me something better. Even if it isn't fulfilled here, there will be something better because God is not, God does not lie. Considering that a person who was born from the seed of the fallen Adam was found in the state and order of death, the renewal of a person when he will look upon the renewal that comes in the essence of God will occur in God. And if in the essence of God the process of renewal is not tied with dead and does not depend on death, then in the essence of a person, renewal is always going to be being brought out of death. A person says, well, for what? Why did he die? If you, the people, Jesus was told, if he were here, he would not have died. Remember what Jesus did? He tarried. He waited for Lazarus to die, to then resurrect him, and through this, to demonstrate and reveal his glory. But sometimes we think, well, Lord, why are you waiting? Why is the promise not being fulfilled? Well, because God is a, a God endures long-suffering. It shall be fulfilled. And he says, wait for it. It is not going to be uh, removed. It is going to be fulfilled in its own time. People say, I want it to happen this year, in a month, in two weeks. Well, not later than, and we place certain dates. We are called to look upon the renewal that occurs in God. So every seed of the word of truth that is accepted by a person and the seed of his heart, in order to offer the coinciding fruit of this seed, the seed must first die. How? How is 
is it going to be alive? It's going to be alive because it first dies. That's why when we know this, we are able to be found in complete rest, knowing that everything is in God's control and in His hands, in full and complete rest, just like Elisha. Just like Elisha was found when he said, Master, look, this whole mountain is covered by armies, but it's in complete rest. Well, Lord, open his eyes. Okay, his eyes are revealed, and there's a great power. There are the chariots of God that surrounded. Every fruit of righteousness in a person is the result of renewal expressed in bringing out a seed out of death in the fruit of our spirit. The phenomenon of death uh, should not be misunderstood. Specifically, there exist two different kinds of deaths, death in God and death outside of God. Take a look here. The death of the seed of the promise in the good soil of the human heart is death in God. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. But the death of the seed of the promise in improper soil of the human heart is death outside of God. One person says, I had agreed to cooperate with this word, but I knew, I knew that it wouldn't work because he was not found in God in the first place. He did not want to be immersed in God. In the first instance, death in God, the good heart of a person has the state of renewal which is the life of resurrection that dwells in this good heart that is capable of offering fruits of renewal. And in the second case, death outside of God, the foolish soil of the human heart, for example, uh, a soil that is filled with, with, with thorns, this deprives a person of the right to be renewed, which deprives him of the right to have the resurrection of life. And he offers the fruit of death that destroys his relationship with God. Death is the definition of the order and action that is against the order that is contained in the life of God. And therefore it is not tied with God and occurs not in God, but it is controlled by God and is found in God's absolute authority. Therefore, if he will lead us to death, just like to Jonah, well, he, it seemed like he couldn't get out. He was found in death and in the, in the whale. For three days. Well, how old was he to get out of there? This seems impossible. But it turns out that everything with God is possible. A person that is found in death, if he believes in God, death that comes upon us is the sign of perdition. And I'll share with you, each time when pastor places me to read something here from this pulpit, to prepare in this manner, I endure at that day, that very same day, a kind of pressure, I don't know how to put it, 
some kind of bad news, some kind of calls that I get, all kinds of, of things that are not in my control that come up. And you know, I was worried about this before, I was nervous, but right now, on the contrary, I have a certain rest that I endure and I understand that death is in turmoil and let it be in turmoil. This means that there will be victory in God. Death is the definition of the order and action that is against the definition and order contained in the life of God. And therefore, it is not tied to God and, come and occurs outside of God, but is controlled by God and found in His absolute authority. And if eternal life in a good heart, having in itself the property of this renewal is found in God, identifies the essence of God, comes from God, and identifies the order of God and the boundaries of His kingdom, then also eternal death in the foolish heart of a person has properties of decay that is found in the fallen cherubim. It identifies the essence of the fallen cherubim in a person. It comes from the fallen cherubim and it defines the order of the fallen cherubim and the boundaries of eternal darkness. The second question, what purpose is the truth of renewal called to occur, fulfill in our relations with God? The thing is, is that all of that good that God has placed on our accounts in Christ Jesus, the promises of God, are called to be realized by us only by applying the principles of renewal, which in Hebrew means, to renew means to make new through suffering. There is not just the attack of death, there is there must be an enduring of the suffering to create through resurrection. You know, if God will fulfill the promise, and if we have not gone through the death, and this promise has not gone through death, then we are going to mix it with our flesh. We are going to turn it against our flesh. We are going to allow it and say, well, I tried to do it, and God has given me, and now you should try. You know, this is so foolish. If it doesn't go through death, it won't happen. And therefore, to separate this I from the promises in us, but to fulfill. God wants to fulfill these promises for us, but we have to separate our I, for there is nothing in our essence that will get in the way of this. He wants to create by way of resurrection. We This promise must go through death and must die and to be to arise in a new format and when it arises we will say great is the Lord he has begun the process and concluded it he is the Alpha and Omega he is the first and the last I worship you and you are faithful in your words and in your judgment and your truth you are worthy of glory because you have spoken you have begun and you will conclude you are the Alpha and Omega And renewal also means to create something new. And someone who is renewed is new, not having any blemish. The flesh is always going to carry blemish in itself. The flesh must be put to death, and the promise must go through death. Not having a blemish, 
held in proportions, harmonious. God has his proportions, the image of God. Pure, chaste, immortal, washed by the waters of renewal, justified by the grace of God, sanctified, prepared for dedication. With regard to these properties, we will mention seven spheres in which the renewal of God is calling to give a person the right to knowledge of the one who created him. But we will mention seven of them, although many more exist. We're talking about knowledge of God, not just knowledge. Knowledge is too too simple, too cheap. But knowledge in God is when a person unites with God. And we should note that due to the fact that renewal expresses itself in justification as it is written, for righteous men may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. Proverbs 24, 16. To fall, uh, to get up after falling expressed in sinfall means to be restored in our rights to the inheritance or to be renewed. First, through the knowledge of the truth of renewal, we are called to rapture our salvation and be justified by the grace of Jesus Christ in order to be made heirs of eternal life. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by His grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So in this is the mercy of God, and this is not from us, and this is not according to the works of righteousness. Our righteousness cannot fulfill renewal because it does not carry the power of eternal life. We need to once and again, and I underline this, we need to once again understand, once and for, for all understand that it must, this this must not be distorted. The seal of God must not be distorted or change its form. We need to once again note that all that comes from the source of the flesh leads to perdition and death. And justification comes from God, not from us, not from the works. We need to once and for all understand this and to never return back so that we once again uh, try to understand this truth. We say, Lord, well, I tried. I take a look. I'm not like the others, but I am trying. You know, there won't be renewal. On this step, we are going to stumble. And as soon as we say, Lord, well, remember, I strived so, so much, but there won't be renewal. Correct renewal in God will not occur. When we begin to look upon the Lord, we say, Lord, in you there is mercy and righteousness. Lift me up on the heights that are higher than, than us. Then God begins to lift us up. We say, well, I try so hard for God and, and some kind of promise doesn't work. Well, of course it's not going to work because it works not because you try or you are putting in an effort because God is faithful and true. We need to look at this differently. And again, I'm speaking first and foremost for myself and just speaking in, a, in the format that I'm given. Those truths that I might speak of very quickly, perhaps I have already learned them and to me, 
this is clear, but imagine I I speak this first and foremost towards myself so that it can be engraved in me so that this may it may never be cut out of me. The second, through the knowledge of the truth of renewal, we are called to receive the cleansing of sins or the blotting out of sins, which we might endure if we are the cho- having been children of God. Well, will we? Can we sin? It is possible. First John one nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will make us as if we have not done this before. And it is the renewal that dwells in us which we have received in the seed of justification that gives us the power and the ability each time when we sin to be restored through our repentance expressed in proclaiming or confessing our sins. 1 John 2, 1-2 My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And He Himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. When we, upon confessing, when we reject our sins, we need to obey the word of the faith of God and to forgive ourselves in the name of Jesus and affirm our justification in God. When, upon repentance, we are cleansed from our sins, and in this manner we accept justification, we collaborate with God in renewal and the restoration of our heart in justification. This kind of cooperation with God in Scripture is the commandment that says, Create all things new in you and a new spirit. God calls a person, a person answers this, he, pro- he confesses his sin, And in doing so, he cooperates in this with God in the renewal of his heart and his spirit. Third, through knowledge of the truth of renewal, we are called to forgive people their trespasses when they are going to repent. Repent of the... Of how of their offenses to us, and in this and in this manner, the power of renewal that dwells in our heart will yield His righteousness. Matthew six fourteen fifteen. But if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. To forgive means to restore former relations, and therefore, to forgive with the heart a person who is repenting is to demonstrate the renewal of God that dwells in our heart, as it is written, Proverbs 16.6, In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord one departs from evil. When we demonstrate and show mercy and righteousness to a person who has uh, sinned against us, this kind of renewal in which our heart dwells will allow for the renewal of God to blot out our own sin and to lead us away from evil. It turns out that we need this. Yes, we forgive, we, but we ourselves also are in need of mercy. There's not a person who, doing good, would not sin before God. Sometimes we do things with our whole heart, but we put a little bit of our flesh there, and all of a sudden, we are those of in the flesh, and we are in need of forgiveness. Because God wanted us to not be defiled by the flesh. 
garments, for example, might defile a person. And these garments that we are found in, and the old man is here also in these garments, he lives in them. We may sin. That's why we are called to forgive, and we ourselves are in need of this forgiveness. Fourth, through knowledge of the truth of renewal that is done in the washing with water the teaching of Christ, we are called to receive healing which God has placed on our accounts in Christ Jesus. In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord one departs from evil. In this case, healing that comes from renewal and washing is seen at as is seen as coming out of the death of Jesus Christ, we should note that there are kind of waters of death from which it is impossible to bring a person to life. These are waters that are cast from the mouth of the dragon, whereas the waters of death from which God uh, erects a person out of death are waters that come from the depths of divine love agape, which God has revealed through Jesus Christ. John chapter 9, verses 4 through 7. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Fifth, through knowledge of the truth of renewal, we are called to become a covenant for God's chosen people and a light to the Gentiles. Isaiah 42, 6-8, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord, that is my name. In my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. 6. Through knowledge of the truth of renewal, we are called to be clothed in righteousness in order to fill judgment upon the, the blind, the deaf, and the lame. This is what Job says regarding this, one of the righteous men in whose righteousness God revealed evidence of his renewal, in which he restored Job and expanded his calling. He had healed him completely. And then he had said to his friends, My anger is burning on you that you had spoken about me, but you spoke not as faithfully as my servant Job. If you go to him and you ask, and he will pray over you, if you incline his heart towards you, and he will forgive you, and he will pray regarding you, I will accept his face, not you. Some people say, well, this was in the Old Testament. Sometimes you'll talk to people these days, and they'll say, well, this is, this is in the Old Testament. Job is the most ancient book, they say. This was even before the times of Moses. But... Knowledge of God was before the covenant. We, th we heard that Shem was Melchizedek, the king of Salem. He went out to meet Abraham. He was a priest of God Most High. He was the king of Salem, Jerusalem. Job, other righteous, 
and God had spoken with people and he said, go to this person. And today people say, well, who cares what church you go to? Or who cares who your pastor is? This pastor was selected and he'll do. That's fine. He'll be fine. He'll be fine today. Then later on we'll see. That's how pastors are selected these days. That's how people marry. They say, well, all right, I'll get married and then we'll see. And the person lives their whole life this way. And, you know, to become a member of a church, we heard that these are certain bonds. You can't enter or come out, divorce or so forth. Then you look at a person and see that there's a destruction and you feel sorrowful. He doesn't know about the bonds. He doesn't know about the bonds of the covenant. He doesn't know where God is. And then he says, well, I was 50, 60 years a Christian. Then all of a sudden, how do you know that God has called you to that church? When people ask after 50, 60 years of having been Christian, these kind of questions, you realize that his whole life he has just gone to and fro or he sat in one place, but he never had understood the essence, the essence of his calling. He never found a place where God would identify or define for him when people ask these kind of questions. It's unfortunate. Job chapter 29 verses 14 through 17 I put on righteousness and it clothed me my justice was like a robe and a turban I was eyes to the blind and I was feet to the lame I was a father to the poor and I searched out the case that I did not know I broke the fangs of the wicked and plucked the victim from his teeth in this event, renewal that dwells in the heart of Job was demonstrated in righteousness, which was the judgment to the blind, the lame, and the poor. We should note that in this case we are talking about a unique blindness, lameness, and poverty that turns upon itself protection from the enemies by way of renewal that is contained in righteousness. Under the blindness, which God protected by the power of His renewal in the righteousness of Job, was the dignity of the blindness of his son. It turns out that the spirit of Christ that had lived in them is written that when Job had spoken, for I know that my Redeemer lives, he had seen Christ. In him lived the spirit of Christ, and he saw Christ, and therefore he had proclaimed, saying, I know my Redeemer lives and he will restore, he will resurrect this decaying body, and I will see this with my eyes. The pastor here affirms this thought, that in him, in this person, in the righteousness of Job, was the dignity of the blindness of his son, his son with capital letter. Under the lameness which God protected by the power of his renewal, and the righteousness of Job was the dignity of the lost soul. Under the poverty which God protected, the power of His renewal shown in the righteousness of Job was a dignity of trust in God. This person had endured all of these processes. He had loved his nation, the house of his father. He had rejected his carnal life. And he had loved righteousness and he became one who had trusted in God 
And if in his time Job would not have sown the seeds of righteousness that are contained that contain the renewal of God, then God would not have had any opportunity to cooperate with the fruit of his renewal in order to rectify the power of this fruit of renewal out of illness and death. We are going to reap the fruit of those seeds which we had sown. If we if we sowed the seeds of righteousness that contain the renewal of God, then we will ourselves reap the fruit of righteousness if we do not grow weary for as it is written Galatians 6 7 through 9 do not be deceived God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he will also reap for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption but he who sows the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life and let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart now all of a sudden I begin to understand that perhaps my sowing is not the best. What's What do I do if the harvest is drawing near? Well, look, here there are steps for renewal. We need to begin to repent. We need to confess our sin. We need to renew our covenant with God. We need to acknowledge the truth, to dwell in the truth, to pay the price. And seventh, through knowledge of the truth of renewal, we are called to wait for a new heaven and a new earth upon which dwells righteousness. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless, and consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. It is impossible to wait with our heart for the new heaven and new earth if we do not gain it through the process of renewal that defines the status of our good heart and we are going to try to go through the conditions the third question what conditions are necessary to fulfill in order to cooperate our renewal with the renewal of God it is necessary to remind ourselves that for a man of God to renew is to create that which God is creating that word that we hear, this is that action that God wants us to fulfill right now. And for this it is necessary to hear what God says, to see what God is doing and how He is doing this. And for this goal, in order to hear all this, to see all of this, and to observe all of this, it is necessary to fulfill conditions so that we can know who God is for us what God has done for us and how He has done this, as well as what we must do to inherit all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus. In order to hear what God says to see what God is doing and how He is doing this, it is necessary to leave our nation, the house of our Father, and to leave our corrupt desires. All that God wants to do, He does in the church and through the church, so that through the church, it might be made known to all to the holy people of God and to all of God's people, but here it's just talking about the angels, the creation. God wanted the wisdom of God to be made known to the angels as well, but first and foremost, this is written for us. What is God thinking about today? He is thinking about this, that which we are talking about, that which we are hearing about. And what is He doing? 
Yes, he is doing this right now, thinking about this, what we are hearing. If we have left our nation, if I am dependent on my nation, well, it turns out that I am tied. I am blind. I do not see what God is doing and how I need to cooperate with him. I won't be able to see this and I won't be able to understand it. We must leave our household and to leave our corrupt desires that are decaying, perishable things, we must leave. And there's a, there's a song that exists that under the quiet heavens, you know, even our music, it is not loud, it is not loud drums. The drums aren't the loudest of the instruments. They don't ignite our emotions. Everything is in such order and in such godly divine order that it is quiet in the spirit. I don't know about you, but I think you also feel this. I love to go into this, come into this place. And when I come into this place, it is very easy to leave all cares, to leave and forget everything, all kinds of problems all kinds of perishable desires that are temporary. I'm building a house, and I have to say, I can't forget to deal with this wire tomorrow, but because if they close everything up, then there's going to be a problem. All of this can be left to forget and to concentrate on what God is doing today, right now in this place. And then to take up our cross, and the cross are certain actions that he says, okay, you want to follow me? You want to see all of this? Take up your cross and begin to cooperate. The price, right now we are talking about the price. And we must follow Jesus in the face of that person whom God's, God has established over us, or rather to follow as it is written Titus 1, 2, 3 in hope of eternal life in which God who cannot lie promised before time began but has in due time manifested his word through preaching which was committed to me according to the commandments of our God our Savior and you know when I prepare for this word I oftentimes go and according to the dates I will find and I re-listen to pastor's sermon and I will re-listen to it um, filled with the Spirit and I tried to listen to it again for uh, in that same day a day or two before and you know what words he said here that God has entrusted this word God has entrusted this word if you go to that sermon here he mentions the words of Apostle Paul and says today God has committed this word to him and that's why we must obey this word to cooperate with the renewal of God, it is necessary on our bed in righteousness to look upon the countenance and the glory of the Lord. Psalm 17.15 As for me, I will see your face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I wake in your likeness. For the righteousness of God that contains in itself the renewal of God, to look upon the face of God is necessary for our heart to dwell in the righteousness of God and the righteousness of God to dwell in our heart. And this means that when the righteousness of God dwells in our heart, then we carry responsibility to protect the interests of this righteousness in our heart from the old man 
and in this way to hallow it in our heart. When our heart dwells in the righteousness of God, then God takes upon Himself the responsibility to protect the interests of His righteousness in our heart, and for this it is necessary to have a good heart. However, the main thought that is contained in this place of Scripture points to the fact that the position from which it is necessary in righteousness to look upon the face of the Lord is the bed of a person on which he, he falls asleep on. The bed of the righteous pers- person is one of the main components that define the presence of his secret womb in which dwells God and in which God reveals himself. This is one of the main components. Our bed, the place upon which we sleep, our bed. A person that does not have in his heart righteousness that could express itself in the renewal of Christ cannot have in itself the secret room in which God could dwell. The heart of this person is the place in which dwells the the mystery of lawlessness. Micah chapter 2 verse 1 Woe to those who devise iniquity and work out evil on their beds. At morning light they practice it because it is in the power of their hand. Well, people say, well, God favors me, God blesses me, I have great success in my life. And even if I do certain kinds of sins, God still loves me, He closes His eyes, and I, He likes me. And this is what a person might devise on his bed. He has lawlessness in his heart. The bed of this kind of a person, or the bed of a holy person, the position of which he is called to look upon the countenance of God and be renewed in knowledge of God. And I had done this. You know, I'm t- again, I'm just sharing regarding myself. The sin of my youth. I had done this. That's why I am sharing with my own experience as well. And I had a dream that I had received. What I I think was uh, Jesus Christ who came to me and a demon was wanting to, who was also in the image in the format of a man, tried to kill me and I saw that this was a demon. And when he wanted to do evil, this other young man who I figured was Christ said, this lawlessness he is doing with, with I am allowed. I thought, well, okay, what kind of lawlessness I'm doing, but I thank you, Lord, that you step in for me. But then I began to study, and I thought, well, I allowed him. What's strange is that why does God allow us to do lawlessness or to do unrighteousness? He must take from our heart lawlessness, but then all of a sudden he allows us that they may practice it. I thought, oh, well, I am under such um, such favor of God. God protects me. Perhaps I have some kind of sins. I don't know them, nor do I want to know them. God is on my side. I shall move forth. And with these ten thousands, I go against the anointed word of God. That's how people can sometimes act, because certain revelations and visions uh, they might have received that they needed to be rid of. Why I mention this? This is a bed is there where we have visions and dreams. When people say, "I feel like this is from the Lord," I have this revelation. 
Merciful is God that He extends our t- extends time, and we do not fall into s- the snares of death. And God takes us out of these snares. The bed of a holy person from which he is called to look upon the countenance of the Lord and in this manner be renewed in the knowledge of God is the bed in which a person withholds his anger, meditates upon who God is for him and what God has done for him and is comforted. And there are other definitions about the bed of a person and if God will allow us, we will continue to study this further. For today, this will be it. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for your mercy, for your mercy which you have given us. to have mercy upon us, to forgive, to uncover our sins and transgressions, to take our life away from the grave and to bring it to renewal so our youth can be renewed before your countenance. I thank you that you have renewed my youth You have delivered me from lawlessness and you have allowed me to dwell among the midst of your holy people whom you have redeemed for your glory to have hallowed and continue to hallow in a covenant of rest in a covenant of your Sabbath when we with a humble heart come to this place to heed to your words you uncover our sins our weaknesses you uncover the the stumbling blocks from which which cause people to be far off from your promises and are unable to dwell and to step into the sphere in which all of your promises are yes and amen in the glory of the Father. We thank you that you have given your representative. We have not chosen or called some kind of a person or father, but you have pointed to us that person which you, whom you have established over us. And we have accepted We have accepted and acknowledged in Him your authority. We have submitted to this authority and the power. We thank you that all promises are alive. And when they go through death and it seems to us that we are dying, this is a bright sign to resurrect these promises and to resurrect our spirit in these promises and to be before you in unblemished joy so that we are not based on our flesh 
and we did not we thank you for this trembling place the place of rest and joy upon which you have lifted us higher higher to the heights higher than us place from which we were able to receive your great and precious promises the words of hope precious stones out of our heart and our heart began to tremble and our spirit began to be alive and we again exclaimed the Lord lives and my soul lives I shall not I shall not stumble we thank you for that joy that we have the joy from your word that you hold the seven stars in your hand and you are the one who walks amid the seven lamps knowing and realizing this our hearts are filled with great joy we endure joy and we rejoice in your word as those who have received a great reward we rejoice in your word as if it has already been fulfilled may the person whom you have sent be blessed so that all of your promises can become yes and amen in the glory of God may our pastor be blessed his household may his ministry be blessed and that word that will pour out by the Holy Spirit from his lips and our future services may they be accepted by the faith of your saints and may they be dissolved in our hearts we will worship and thank you Almighty God Father Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and let us conclude with our manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen <laughs>